today, 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 in space, in space, in space. Welcome back, everybody, to the Today in Space podcast. I'm your host, Alex Orfanos, uh, a.k.a. El Greco, and uh, we're back for another week. Uh, this week is, uh, today is, sorry about that, November 24th, 2014. It is Monday, uh, Thursday this week. We've got uh, good old Thanksgiving for us Americans. Um, it is a day that we should give thanks, even though we should probably do that every day. Um, but it's a day that helps us remind us of it. Um, it's also one of those holidays that uh, inevitably a few Americans will say to one of their friends who's uh, not from this country and say, well, of course, you never celebrated Thanksgiving. No, um, I don't live in this country. Um, so anyways, <laughs> moving on, uh, what do we have here today? Uh, today, uh, well, I guess let's start with uh, an update on uh, the filet uh, lander. So uh, Rosetta, the satellite that dropped filet, um, will be uh, escorting the comet uh, throughout 2015. Um, so you know, there will be more updates. We'll keep in touch with the the spacecraft uh, as it continues to go through space. So, uh, and as long as we can keep uh, in contact with it, which we should be able to. Um, now, I did find out, um, well, I read an interesting article um, that uh, allegedly states, well, no, it doesn't. It, what it says is this there's a suspect to the fuel that was used in the harpoons um, that didn't uh, deploy, thus why the spacecraft bounced uh, twice and landed three times on the comet. Um, so apparently the uh, propellant, which was supposed to send the harpoon 160 miles an hour into the uh, comet surface, um, the propellant is called uh, nitrocellulose. And according to this uh, website at technologist.com, um, T-X-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-I-S-T.com, uh, apparently it does not fire in a vacuum. The, the propellant does not ignite inside of a vacuum. Um, and the reason they say that is because according to a report by um, engineering news organization, it's a Danish aerospace organization. Uh, they they found a few years after the mission had already launched um, that it did not ignite as it was expected in a vacuum. So, um, so you know, what does that mean? So basically, I mean, well, the inevitability of it is um, it brings us to a conversation that... Um, if you're familiar with this with space travel at all, it's always brought up. But uh, flight heritage on things that go into space. So, what is flight heritage? So, flight heritage is basically some kind of uh, it, it's a list of the times it was used in space and the times that it actually performed well. So, the whole thing is that you don't want to send anything new up into space because you don't know how it's going to react in the vacuum of space with the cold, uh, with no, with the temperature changes. Um, so uh, the, the reason flight heritage is so important is, number one, because things are extremely expensive to send to space. You know, this is not, we can't just have something, you know, 
go, you know, not work. And then how, how are you expected to, to go back up there? You know, um, you know, how do we test those things here on earth? We, we test them. There are vacuum chambers, um, which brings the, the pressure to zero, um, inside of a, a chamber. Uh, we had one at, uh, the school I went to, uh, it was crazy. I mean, it's not huge at all. You can kind of climb into it. Um, but, uh, no, they're, they're, they're very useful for, for testing all that kind of stuff. Cause you'd never, you never really know what's going to happen. But then there's also the, the problem of, uh, you know, we have gravity here. So what, how's it going to work in weightlessness in, in without, without any gravity? Um, so flight heritage has become a thing <laughs> because, uh, just over the years, um, some people say it's, you know, it's a bunch of old, it's an old time, uh, way of thinking. But again, you know, this is a perfect example of, you know, having something that has proven flight heritage. Now, granted, unless we were hunting space whales, I don't think you'd really need a harpoon in space. Although, why wouldn't you? Um, but, <laughs> but just to, just to show, apparently this did not have enough, or at least the propellant did not have enough, um, uh, flight heritage. It, it, they only found out a few years later. So, but, but that's, I mean, this is not like a, you know, like a tried and true mission. This was something that's never been done before. So things are going to happen. Mixed mistakes going to happen. I mean, the good thing is that they, they came in enough that it could bounce twice off the surface after going uh, three-fifths of a mile above uh, the comet um, for almost two hours, too, uh, according to this article. So uh, harpoon igniting not happening aside, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's good, it's, it's a good thing to just understand that that's a that's a big argument with especially designed in the design stages uh, for sending a spacecraft up. Um, your whole decision is based off of components that you can trust will actually work up there. So um, if someone we're talking about knows about space, bring up flight heritage. Now you know a little bit more about it. Um, as space, in my mind, starts to blow up here, um, popularity-wise. Um, I mean, the comet was huge. Um, you know, and, and I think SpaceX has done a lot for that as well. Um, but those are just my opinions. So um, I guess before we go into the major segment for today, uh, we'll do a corrections from the last podcast. Um, yeah, so where did I flub up? So obviously last week was I was talking about the Orion launch system. So that is the proper pronunciation is Orion, uh, according to a few mo movies and video and clips I had seen um, from NASA's site. I had only really done uh, reading online. Um, but yes, so that's the proper pronunciation, Orion, like the constellation, Orion's Belt, uh, all those things. So uh, let's move on. So uh, last week we talked about comets. So naturally... Um, the next step is to move to asteroids. So, why asteroids? Um, really, uh, I saw this, uh, it was a new research, uh, it was an article talking about new research that had just been, uh, happened. It was the Washington Post, actually. Um, and 
the title of it is uh, Hazardous Asteroids May Be More Numerous Than Previously Thought, comma, Scientists Say, which, what, what kind of scientists are they? Uh, are they just involved in science, and that's why they're called scientists? Or is their actual position and title scientist? I mean, how much does a scientist get paid a year? I don't think you're going to get an answer to that question. So um, maybe by the end of this, uh, I'll have some kind of position title we can actually call that person because clearly saying scientist or that scientist said this, it's pretty general. I mean, I'm not about it, but we'll, we'll try and come up with a name. So anyways, moving on from my rambling uh, asteroids. So, um, so and this is according to research that was published uh, Wednesday, uh, the week before, uh, which examined the airburst of the asteroid that exploded over Russia's uh, Uri Mountains on February 15th, uh, 2013. Um, I'm sure a lot of people saw that that hit the headlines. Again, another catastrophe that makes space news uh, for everybody. Um but um not you know there were there were uh, let me let me just make sure i believe there were some people injured um but regardless uh, that's uh it, the meteorite came in and exploded in the atmosphere as it, it was burning up um and they just recently found a large chunk of it in a lake uh, in that area around the area they followed the trajectory and and found it so um then on top of it, um, you know, they talk about how um, asteroids may hit Earth 10 times as much as scientists believed before. Um, so so what does that mean? Um, well, where do we go with that? Um, I mean, let's go with the facts. So I turn to one of my favorite books. Um, that I found a few years ago. It's uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, Space Chronicles, Facing the Ultimate Frontier. It came out in 2012. Um, so he has a whole chapter on asteroids alone. So here's, here's a few things just, just from that book alone. Um, only about two dozen people have been killed by falling asteroids in the past 400 years. So that's nothing. I mean, that's, you know, it happens, but... I mean, two dozen people in 400 years. I mean, f space travel is not even that safe. So um, with it happening that much, um, you know, as much as 10 times more than we thought, let's just, let's go back here, you know, because just because we found that out does not mean that now it's different. It's been that way, according to this. So um, what are they made of? What, what, you know, we got the comet. Um, that's ice and dust. Uh, the asteroid, mostly it's made of rocks, uh, but the rest are metal. Um, most of that metal is iron. Um, you know, uh, some are, are pieces of rubble made from just bits and pieces that were joined together through, uh, through gravity. Um, you know, over years, years and years, just kind of, you know, uh, the larger chunk would attract you know, gravitationally smaller parts to it, and they would join, and there's nothing else to join to. It's all just pieces of them. Um, and most of those asteroids, especially that we know of, um, they live between Mars and Jupiter, and those will never, ever come near Earth. Um, but some do, some will, 
and some already have. Um, so the natural question to ask is, you know, what can we do about an asteroid impact? Like, is there anything we can do about an asteroid impact? Um, well, so now this is this is now just the think section of this. So we brought in the facts from from the book, uh, Space Chronicles. So now I'm in the thinking section. This is just, you know, um, you know, what can we do about it? You know, how can we get to the next point? So uh, I've looked it up and I've kind of been in certain conversations throughout the years about this with certain people. And, you know, the first one a lot of people want to say is, you know, brute force. Let's send a nuke. You know, let's blow it up. Let's do let's shoot it with lasers, you know. Um, let's go the Armageddon approach, <laughs> you know. Um, but will the, you know, you have to always ask, will the explosion actually work in space? Uh, going back to the flight heritage, you know. Um, do we know that it's actually going to blow up the same way it blows up on Earth? Uh, does it have to be positioned specifically in, our, in the right spot, you know? Um, and with lasers, I, I, I've got nothing on that, you know, um, you know, one that's big enough to take us out, we probably don't have the power <laughs> to do anything about that, so, um, and more like the movie Gravity and more unlike Armageddon, all the rubble that would happen from that explosion would be a huge issue, uh, you know, if it blows up, it's not like it's going in a different direction, it's going to be continuing its orbit, and what it's doing, it's going to come back, you know, like, you can't just blow it up into a billion pieces, because you're screwed, it's, it's going to come right back, um, so, so what else is there, um, you know, like, second option would be, you could launch, land, secure yourself on it, and then redirect it, um, or at the very least, launch, and secure and redirect. So, what are the problems of that? So, well, let's go over it even more specifically. So, let's just say, you know, you send a satellite to it. Um, you drop something on there. You know, we'll just, we'll just say a robot. Um, it drills or tries to get into it. Well, can it even, can it even drill into it? That's a, that's a huge issue. You know, you never know what might actually be the, never mind the surface, but what's underneath um, you probably won't know till you get there, or if you sent a scouting mission before. Um, but that's so that's number one. You know how big is it? How how dense? How much mass does this thing have? Um, you know, but hopefully that isn't too bad. Um, uh, let's see. Um, it all this stuff needs to be done way in advance because you can't wait until it's it's visible because. You've got to move this massive thing with whatever propellant you can bring onto that thing, which at this point probably wouldn't be that much. I mean, I think most viable options right now would be solar sails or um, some kind of rocket or engine. It could be maybe an ion engine, but you would have to do this stuff way before, uh, miles, hundreds, thousands of miles away, maybe even more than that, um, just because I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but, and if you did it sooner, the sooner the better, because then the sooner you are as far, you only have to move it a little bit to just miss us, we don't even have to get it that much out of the way, we could control that orbit, but then that brings up even uh, more of a more refined approach, which is, uh, I think my favorite, which is, uh, to have different stations set up around earth that, 
um, maybe in Lagrangian points, um, which would be, they're kind of, they're parts in orbits where you can come in and kind of park and then get back into a different orbit. So, um, so it's a, it's basically where you would put a gas station uh, if you were in orbit around uh, and traveling around. Um, so you set up these points in 3D space around Earth so that you could manipulate the orbits of these asteroids coming in that could pose any threat and just kind of um, Aikido or, you know, just, you know, move the, the you don't have to stop it you know, face in the, you know, stop that blow, you can just redirect it. Um, and then it would, that would basically act like a force field around us. Um, it obviously wouldn't be a real force field, but, um, essentially it's doing the same thing. Um, so there are options out there. If, you know, if you read these things and it's like, oh, asteroids are coming. It's like, we, we have plans. Um, they may not be funded <laughs> and they might, may not be, uh, known to us, but there is, like at this point we do have some kind of plans for it um you know hopefully we have plenty of time to do that um you know there there's we'll we'll find out about when we find out about it but you know for right now we're fine people there's no reason to freak out but uh um so that's that's what i got for asteroids for this week um uh, this week I will be doing uh, not just a Monday episode, but because it's Thanksgiving week and um, I've got a little time off here, um, I'm going to be putting out more stuff. Uh, you know, for those of you who've got any long drives this week, um, you want to pop something on, listen to, um, you know, anyone who's got to work, uh, you know, stick in there, dude, like keep, or, or, or Chica, stick in there, you know, make your money and do what you need to do um, and learn something while you're at it, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're going for here, um, also, uh, I saw the movie Interstellar, really liked it, don't know if I love it, but I really liked it, um, but I'm going to be doing a whole show just on that, so I won't spoil it for anybody, it'll be in the title, so if you click on it, sorry, your fault, um, but no, uh, me and a, uh, an old friend of mine, we're going to talk, uh, we're both really into space, um, and we kind of want to talk about, you know, what we did or didn't like uh, about the movie, kind of break it down. Um, so if you have any uh, things you'd like to get brought up during that show, um, well, uh, email us at the show. And actually, here's a perfect chance. We just launched ta-da, the Today in Space website. We're finally independent here. Um, and that's nothing, you know, don't, don't be an asshole, don't be like, oh, what happened, yeah, you and Mike, you know, no, me and Mike are doing our own things, guys, don't worry about it, um, this is just, I wanted to do a weekly show, um, and so I'm doing it, nothing big at all about it, um, but I hope, uh, you enjoy it, I went with kind of a simple look, um, again, every week on Mondays, uh, the website is, uh, www.todayinspace.squarespace.com So the homepage is there. Um, If you want to find us on iTunes, uh, just go to the search uh, in podcasts and type in Today in Space. Um, Both the independent one and some of the Mike and Alex podcasts will show up as well. Um, Please subscribe to both. Uh, We appreciate everyone that listens to this. Um, 
and you know for now I finally have a place where I can <laughs> I can take my link and just paste it into something at social media that was Facebook or Twitter uh, instead of just doing it in that own medium because Twitter it's very difficult to do it 140 characters uh, and Facebook eh it's all right I'd rather have a link for my own shit um, but yeah so uh, so there's the today in space that's where you'll find all the shows. Um, and then there's the contact. Uh, so for any questions of the week, which we don't have this week, I apologize. Um, just, I, I didn't get anything in, uh, and I couldn't think of one. Uh, but correction of the week as well. If you find me screwing up, please send me and I'll give you full credit for it. Um, you know, if you guys want to be known some kind of alias for the show, uh, start getting in touch, uh, create a relationship and, uh, you can talk smack to me. Um, and, and any of the topics that you want to get covered. Um, just use that form, it'll get to me, uh, and that way you can get involved in the show. Um, let's see, uh, doing an episode entirely like that. Uh, I, I thought, just really quick, not to compare it, because it's not the same movie, but I thought it was a great science fiction movie, like Back to the Future, in the scientific sense, that it had some science in it, but you know, it's, it's a fiction, you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say, um, so, oh, uh, what to look forward to, so what's, what's kind of on the docket, what's coming up, uh, that you guys can, can check out yourselves, uh, like launches, uh, into space, uh, so December 4th, like, uh, at 7.05, uh, Eastern Standard Time, uh, from the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, um, in Florida, uh, the Orion, uh, launch system will launch for the first time. Uh, they just got a, officially, they just got the official check from NASA that they will be launching. So that is happening. Um, there are hotels in that area. They're gone. If you want to get down there, good luck. Like, I, I don't think there's anything left. People are, everyone who's into space is finally going to this because this is, this launch is huge. Um, this is a totally different way of us getting around in space. So, um, everyone's very excited to see this. Everyone wants to be around for the event. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I did not get a chance to go. So, uh, but I will be watching it, um, because this is the future and I can do that. Um, December 16th at 2.31 p.m. Uh, crud. I don't know if that's Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let's see. Um, we'll just say... I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to have it in the next episode. Um, but SpaceX is doing their uh, fifth uh, mission for resupplying the ISS. Um, so they'll deliver cargo and crew supplies to the ISS. Uh, also aboard will be a laser instrument uh, called CATS. That's C-A-T-S, all in capitals, uh, which is used to measure clouds and the location and distribution of pollution dust, smoke, and other particles in the air. Um, so that's what they're bringing up. So they're going to be doing a bunch of scientific stuff um, thanks to uh, this mission. Um, they'll be bringing stuff up. Um, uh, the last resupply mission they did, uh, they brought up the first 3D printer um, that went into space. Um, also another topic I'll be talking about. Um, I have a 3D printer now. Um, just... It's not that it's super hard, but it's just involved, and I haven't put the t complete time into it. I had to build it from scratch. 
Um, so I'm going to be sharing with you guys, you know, the trials and tribulations of all that stuff, you know, so, so anyone who's listens who would consider doing this at home, um, you can kind of get an idea of, um, what's involved and then you can kind of gauge it on yourself. I mean, but putting it together, it's really not any harder than, you know, um, something you buy at a Swedish company that sells, uh, furniture. Um, it's, it's, you know, pretty to the book and there's enough stuff online, uh, for these buildable kits. Um, most of them you can just buy straight up. You don't have to do that at all. Um, but if you're on a budget, you have to build it yourself. <laughs> uh, but it, no, it's good experience. Um, it's more, you know, just something else to learn. I'm an engineer, so I'm always using my hands, uh, trying to build new things. I'm going to have to learn another design software, um, which they're all cool. Just, you know, the really cool ones cost crazy amounts of money, so can't use those. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be 3D printing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I'll, you know, depending on what it is, I might make the, the models available so you guys could print it out too. Um, but we'll see. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all I have. Although I do want to go into, um, I looked, uh, SpaceX, I follow them on, on YouTube. They have a, uh, uh, I follow everything they do, uh, try to, um, cause it's so exciting having um, an American company that's privately going into space. Uh, it, it's a, it, that is the most American thing that there could be. Uh, you know, and so, so anyway, so they, they had this, uh, 30 second, um, um, time lapse of, uh, their rocket production. Um, but it's, it's only 30 seconds, but it's really cool. It's really short, you know, wouldn't take you guys any time at all to look at it. Um, but the SpaceX factory, which is nearly 1 million square feet, um, currently produces more rocket engines than any other U.S. manufacturer and will eventually produce 40 rocket cores annually. Um, now, as far as what 40, you know, 40 rocket cores compares to for everyone else, I don't know. Um, but that's, that's amazing. I mean, one company builds the stuff that they send into space. Uh, I mean, if history has shown us anything, um, you know, we've had some issues with, with contractor after contractor after contractor going down the chain, um, to get things to, to fall under budget, um, hasn't really worked out. Um, it, it's had its issues. It's had its issues. Of course it's worked out. It's just, it's definitely had its issues where it gets the spotlight. So it'll be really, really interesting to see if having it done in one company under one roof, if that'll make a difference. Um, and I'm really excited to see, uh, what, what they can and can't do. Um, but more specifically what they can do. Um, I'm all about the, the fins that they have working on now, um, to help control the re-entry. Um, I think that's a beautifully simplistic, uh, idea to solving something that's, um, just something that they found out. Uh, you don't have to rebuild the whole thing cause it didn't work. Um, but make sure to check that out. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll have more this week. Uh, if I don't talk to you before Thanksgiving, but I should, happy Thanksgiving uh, to all you Americans and to the rest of the world. Think, dream, um, 
you know, get out there, guys. Do do what you need to do. It's Monday. Start your week off right. Kick ass.